world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. All right, everybody, I have a fantastic show. I have Dr. Michael Savage. He doesn't go on other people's show very often because he's so busy and he's so right on his own show, but he has agreed to come on and we're going to be talking about some of the biggest topics in America. Thank you, Michael, so much for coming on. What a, what a pleasure. I've seen your interviews, particularly with Colonel McGregor. And I said, who is this guy with a million and a half followers? How did he build it up? And you told me a little bit about it. And it's basically you follow what your listeners are saying. And, and then you go along those lines, which is pretty amazing. You don't have a, a Fox News presence. You don't have a big syndicated radio show. So you have this huge YouTube following for a good reason. And I've watched your interview techniques, for example, with Colonel McGregor. You basically let your guests talk. Yeah, some people find that annoying, but that's why I brought them on. It's why I brought you on. Well, you know, I don't have a, a, a shyness to express myself. The problem with a former talk show host is you can't stop them once you start them. <laughs> but I was born talking, I think. In fact, I remember being a little boy and my father would say, he talks and he talks and he talks and he talks. Little did he know, <laughs> little did he know that he saw my future without knowing it. Yeah, I felt the same way in elementary school. They used to tell me, you know, you won't be able to get by on your smile and you talk too much. And now look at me. It's, it's two of my greatest assets. Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Middle East on the brink. North Korea on the brink. Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989-898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Before I hit uh, record, Dr. Savage, you were telling me. Wait, we're not starting yet? No, we're going right oh, now. Oh, thank God. Yes, yes. By the way, yes. folks, this is the third time we've started today. <laughs> I gave Stephen the best material and we weren't even recording. Oh, I, I've got it all right here. We're not going to okay. miss a thing. Okay. You, you mentioned before I hit record that many of the people you associate with are agitated. You're noticing uh, mild levels of depression. They are losing hope. 
What are your thoughts on why people are having this kind of visceral, visceral reaction within their body and spirit? Well, I answered kind of with this, which was a, an article I found in an old National Geographic magazine in my library. I was going through old stuff, and it's called Massasoit Engineering Peace with the Pilgrims. So he was a great tribal leader of the Massasoit people. Massachusetts is named for this man. And according to this article, he studied the pilgrims for a long time before he went to meet them. And he noticed that they were enslaving his fellow tribesmen, uh, doing terrible things. And he decided he better make peace with them before he becomes you know, enslaved himself. So you have to say, uh, what, what does that have to do with us in America today? Well, I'm not sure, as I mentioned to you earlier, we are surrounded the opposition, which is very much like the Pol Pot uh, Khmer Rouge, with the exception of the slave labor camps and the work camps, yet they've been, they've encircled us. They run the media. They run the universities. Uh, everywhere you turn, you hear their talking points coming at us. And people are giving up. They're saying it's an overwhelming battle. We can't win it. And I, I, I have the opposite view, which is you fight right to the end by talking and you can talk. You don't have to become violent. You know, I, people say, what good is talk? Talk is cheap. This is the key point of, that I want to make today. What value is there in a book like a Savage Republic? What value is there in a YouTube show? You say it's nothing. It's just talk. You know, what really matters is action. I understand that pragmatists think that way. And my answer to them is everything begins with an idea. Everything begins with an idea. Ideas are very powerful. There's an old saying, and I don't know who wrote it, going back hundreds of years. And it went like this, to the Hebrew, the word is the deed. I learned that when I was young from a very intelligent guy. He said, I said what does that mean? He said, Michael, listen to what I'm saying. To the, it was written probably by an Englishman, to the Hebrew, the word is the deed. Meaning, Jewish people are the people of the book. Meaning the Bible. People of the book. The Bible. Now, look how powerful this one book became that it gave life to Christianity, then gave life to another religion called Islam. And the words of the Bible are extremely powerful. Now, I am not a literalist because if I were a biblical literalist to get into that for the moment, you don't stone adulterers. You don't stone homosexuals. We're not Hamas. Hamas takes the Old Testament literally which became their testament called uh, the Quran. They took the Old Testament and they never revised it. They never reformed it. I had a wonderful Muslim man on the podcast last week. Incredible man. You may have interviewed him. And, and he's amazing. I have to find his name. Here it is. Dr. Zudi Jasser of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, Syrian immigrant, medical school, naval veteran, and runs a great organization, the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, and he's running for office in Arizona in Congress. And he knows that only a reformation of Islam can save the world from the madness of Hamas. So the question is, can you reform a fifth century religion? Well, I don't know even if the Orthodox Jewish communities practice the Old Testament to the letter of the law. I hope they don't. They certainly don't stone adulterers in Israel. 
I mean, they do throw stones on the Sabbath outside of Naya Sharim community, which I think is crazy. And they do other crazy stuff in Israel that doesn't belong in a modern society. But what I'm getting at is I'm not a biblical absolutist, but I'm talking about the power of a book. Let's make it simple. The Ten Commandments. Very simple. The Ten Commandments. I once did a, sh- a, a, a show called If God, If God Were Alive Would Be a Liberal or a Conservative. Well, look at the Ten Commandments. Virtually every one of the Ten Commandments is rejected by the left <laughs> and embraced by the right. You think about it. You can make a joke about it, but it's almost 100 percent true. So you have an atheistic killing squad coming at us with a hydra head. There's heads coming at us everywhere you turn like a, like a gigantic octopus. The media, the universities, the corporate boards, everywhere we turn, Anyone who stands up to them is called the right-wing extremist. I don't know what they've called you, but I wouldn't imagine they like you very much, given the, the guests that I've seen you have on your, on, your, on your YouTube show. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. I, I get called a Putin apologist. Uh, oh, that's an easy one. Well, I have an uh, answer for that one. Yeah. You're, you're, a Zelensky, you're a Zelensky apologist. I turn it right back on them. <laughs> I just tell the truth. Uh, Ukraine is not winning, and therefore they think I love Vladimir Putin. I don't love Vladimir Putin. I don't love that there's people dying every single day. Why would I love that? That's disgusting. I hear you. With, uh, you know, I, I hear you, and I'm not a fan of Zelensky. He's possibly the worst thing that ever happened to Ukraine. He ran on an anti-war plat- war platform, as you know. He said he would not seek to join NATO. He wanted peace with Russia, and the Ukrainian people wanted peace desperately so they elected this kind of nice comedian, Zelensky. He looked like he'd be, a, you know, a different than those nasty big politicians who were going to get them into a war with Russia. The Ukrainians didn't want that. They're a peace-loving people. Now, 500,000 of them are dead. Eight million of them have left the country. There's no Ukraine anymore. And so I posted this last night on my Twitter feed. Stanislavski said, quote, if an actor believes the party is playing is real, fire him. And then I said, Zelensky is about to be fired. I realized that that may be too smart for the room, as a friend of mine once said. They don't know who Stanislavski is, let alone what you're talking about. But I was referring to Zelensky. Stanislavski, the great Russian-American, uh, was, was he American? great Russian theater director, said, if an actor believes the party is playing is real, fire him. And then I said, Zelensky is about to be fired because Zelensky started to look like he believed the part. He was Winston Churchill. He was FDR. He was Napoleon. He was George Washington. He was he became Zelig. He was everything imagined in his own mind while he was still just a stage actor. And then all of a sudden he believed his own. He started to what did they say, don't use your own product or something like that. He started to believe his own his own shtick. And what's with the undershirt? You know, and I know that he's on the way out because they changed his outfit, Stephen. Yeah, from green to black. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Yes. No, no, it's funny. You can see some big things and little things. All he did was wear that that mock military garb, like he just came off the battlefield with perfectly starched green fatigues, the undershirt. Well, now he's going to this new costume, not yet up to a sport jacket. I guess they don't have a, a Barney's loft over there in, in Kiev at this time. I suppose before it's over, he'll be wearing Pilgrim Vogue as a costume to try and appeal to the uh, young women out there who are now wearing Pilgrim Vogue, you know, with the white 
uh, uh, white buttoned up uh, uh, blouses. It's not a laughing matter when you have 500,000 dead men and 8 million people displaced in a war that they could never win. Yeah. And so you ask yourself, how corrupt could the Biden Bidenites be that they would keep driving these poor young men to their deaths without saying to them, you better settle with Russia right now, give up a piece of your territory and end it because there's no country left anymore. But there's got to be more to it than just that, Stephen. And I don't know the more to it. I mean, we hear about corruption. We hear about money flowing back to, to Biden. I, I don't know what to believe with regard to why they would keep driving a nation into 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 it. Listen to death, to its own death. Why? Are they just stupid? Uh, th- this is my best guess after covering this for 18 months now is Biden gets to be a wartime president. That gives billions and billions and billions of dollars to corporate donors and the military industrial complex. And nobody can blame him for American boots on the ground dying. It's a it's a perfect storm for him, although now it's turning. He's going to have to get away from this storm as quickly as possible. But until the American public wakes up, they just say he's a genius. Look at how he's helping the people. They've been lying every day. Ukraine is winning. The counteroffensive is going so well. And now the truth is coming out because of shows like yours and shows like mine that Ukraine is being decimated. It will not exist if they don't pull out. And now he's going to have to pivot away from this because now he'll look like someone who led the sheep to the slaughter. Well, how is he going to pull out of this? He's the one who let... He's the one who could have made this not happen. Look, we all know that if Trump was in power, he would have forced a settlement between Russia and Ukraine before it even happened. Actually, I don't even think Russia would have invaded. If I think if Trump were in power, they were afraid of him because he was not predictable. I, I've been in I've been on Air Force One with Donald Trump sharing a hot dog and I don't even eat meat, but I did it for him. I didn't want to be uh, rude, but I figured, look, if the president, the most powerful man on earth can eat two kosher hot dogs, and even though I don't eat meat and I won't eat that garbage, I'll eat it. I don't want to look like I'm rejecting his food. I've been right next to Donald Trump. He's very unpredictable and people don't know what he's liable to do. And that's what kept Putin off base. It's what kept Kim Jong mentally ill un off base. It's what keep kept a lot of people imbalanced was his projecting this pseudo imbalance that he used as a weapon very cleverly. He tried it on me on Air Force One. It didn't work. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Should I tell you that story, Stephen? Do you want to hear it? Tell me, tell me, tell me. So I'll make a very long story a little less long, but it's a great story. Michael Savage has a hot dog with Donald Trump on Air Force One in the Flying Oval Office. I went to a fundraiser somewhere near Menlo Park because the president was going to speak. And then I was going to come home back to where I live near San Francisco. At the uh, fundraiser, I find out from a top advisor who likes liked me a lot. Like he was a top advisor. He liked me a lot. He said, by the way, we're going to L.A. tonight to the next fundraiser. I said, God, I want to go with you. I said, my son lives in L.A. And you're actually I found that he's having it at my son's friend's mansion. I said, I got to get there. They said, well, I'm sorry, we, we can't get you can't get there. So I said, can you get me on Air Force One? So this guy is, says to me, Michael, it takes four months to get clearance to go on Air Force One. Let's see what I can do. 20 minutes later, he comes back. He says, OK, you're on. You're coming with us. But here's the bad news. We cannot take you from 
LAX, where Air Force One lands, onto the Osprey helicopter, which is going to uh, the airport near Beverly Hills. You'll have to get there yourself. So I called my son. He said, Dad, are you crazy? He said, put the assistant on. And he said to him, listen, the, the highways are going to be closed for the president. How is he going to get from LAX to Santa Monica and then to the he can't go unless you take. OK, so they got me on the Osprey. So it was one of the great days of us. I'm on Air Force One and I didn't think I'd meet President Trump. Remember, I wasn't scheduled. It was good enough to be on it. I love machinery. I love ships. I love airplanes. I love trains ever since I'm a child. I'm on Air Force One. Remember, it's a 20 minute flight from Menlo Park. You know, the airfield near there, right down to, to, to LAX is nothing. We're in the whale. Jonah's inside the whale. We go into the dining room and, you know, there's snacks, the worst food I ever ate in my life. Really, I couldn't even eat it. Worse, worse than United in the 1960s. Awful. But the young lady said, would you like some wine? Being a wine drinker and the fact that I was so happy, I said, sure. So she gave me my white wine. I said, put the bottle down. I started to drink. I figured I lighten up. I'm not going to have to work today. The next thing I hear was they say he's ready for you. Now, I've had two glasses of wine. I'm giddy to begin with. I hadn't eaten it. And now they said, get ready to go meet him. So they walk me through the labyrinth and I go and Stephen, this is exactly a true story. There's Donald sitting in his chair that from which he controls the world. Right. Air Force One. And they bring me and he doesn't even look at me. I come in through the little door. It's a little room. And he goes like this. He says to them without looking at me, what's he doing here? with that face of his, meaning not not what's the, he know my name. He knew because I met him more long. He didn't say, what's Michael doing here? What's Savage? He said, what's he doing here? Like an offstage way, like completely dehumanizing me in, in order to intimidate me. Luckily, I'm from Queens and I know the shtick because I went to high school in the same area. Uh, he was taken by limousine to the New York Military Academy. I rode the Q44A in the slush to Jamaica High School, but it's the same mentality winning through intimidation. So he says to me, what's he doing here? So then he goes like this and he points to the chair, not even saying sit down. He's in the king's chair and he goes like this as if to say, bring the Hebrew in. It's like some ancient thing out of an Egyptian, you know, Pharaoh. They bring the Hebrew in, they sit me down. And he says one thing to me and I said, you know, Donald, you really need me. He said, I don't need you. I said, you need me. I said, you got Sean Hannity in your hand. All of his followers love you. I represent the independents. You don't have them. You don't own them. You need what I have to say. I don't need you. You know, Donald will never admit he needs anyone. And I kept saying, you do. You need me on the animal rights issue. You need me on the environmental issue. You need me on issues that educated white women are interested in. Those are a predominant part of my audience, President Trump. And you're not reaching them. And he dismisses that. Then the hot dogs came and I was starving. I didn't say, give me one. I'll end it right here. I'll show you how sensitive he is. He sees my eyes dart at the hot dog because I was starving. And he says, well, do you want one? I swear to God, the most powerful man in the world stands up with his tray and he holds up the hot dogs. And he says, would you like one of the two that was given to him by his valet? I said, OK, sure. And then he says, would you like mustard or ketchup? And I said, mustard. And he puts it on my hot dog for me. Now, what does that say? It tells you an awful lot about a man in the small things, not the big things. He's actually an extremely caring man. It was the same at Mar-a-Lago, uh, Stephen. I was there last spring before the S hit the fan for him. It was a week before everything came down from uh, Alvin Bragg and hit him and Giuliani. We all had dinner. It was great. It was a great day. 
I was at the buffet and I was walking around the buffet at night. Donald comes up and says, did you eat yet? I said, no, not yet. I said, why are you asking? He said, because I care whether you're eating or not. I mean, whether he meant it or not, he actually walks around and talks to people like that. He's like a hotel owner in his place and he cares whether the lettuce is good. So what I'm saying is on a macro and a mini scale, you get to know a man by the little things. And had he been in power, we wouldn't have had a war between Putin and this actor Zelensky. Israel wouldn't have exploded with this war against Hamas. I don't know how it would have been. I doubt very much it would have happened. Something is so wrong with the world right now. We could all blame it on Biden, which we should do because he's the most cynical of all leaders in my lifetime. And I've lived through 17 presidents, however number there are. I don't know how many. I go back to uh, I'm a pretty old guy. I mean, my first president, if I was born in 42, would have been FDR. I was a baby. Then I had Truman, who bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So from from FDR to Truman, this is the most cynical president who has absolutely no care for the country. They're all cynical. They're all power mad. We know that. Nobody would go into politics who's not power mad. That's a given. But there's a certain balance point, a balance between personal ego, personal uh, ambition, and a, a, a modicum of care for the people and the nation. So far as I can tell, Biden and his cohorts have zero care for the nation and the people. He simply does whatever his crew thinks is necessary to stay in power. Yeah, I could I could have uh, explained that with one comment. Hawaii goes wow. on two goes on two vacations, goes over there, insults the people of Hawaii and then says we're going to get not everybody 700 checks, every household 700 checks <laughs> and then brags about sending billions more to Ukraine. This is a guy that does not. I, I hope Hawaii wakes up and goes, oh, no, they don't care about us. No, they never will. I lived in Hawaii for six years. There's a very large brainwashed population of leftists that have no idea, nor do they care. It has to have a D in front of it in order to be elected in Hawaii. It could be a D in front of a bird. The bird would win over a Republican in that state. It's a welfare state. It's a pure welfare state. So I don't think it's going to affect very much. They once had a Republican-esque uh, person in power, but that was a long time ago. Savage. Home of borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. When I first arrived in Hawaii, Stephen, speaking of Hawaii, it was 1969. I went to grad school. I was rather late on in life. I went back to grad school, the University of Hawaii. There was still a very sizable community of World War II veterans who were now older men who had retired there. And they were very conservative and Republican. It was kind of like a San Diego Island type of thing. It was a very well-managed society. And then from that point on, it, it went downhill just like our nation has, you know, with the hippie revolution. It went like that. I don't think it's ever recovered. So what hope is there, you know, for this nation? Why am I not a complete pessimist? Why do I not give up? Because the word is so powerful. Everything begins with a word. I don't know whether we recorded this part before or not. Did we record this yet, Stephen? Uh, yes, we did. Okay. Well, the word, everything begins with a word. Everything begins with an idea, a book, a YouTube thing, uh, even a tweet can have tremendous power on, on the planet. Look at what the single sentences 
and the effects that they have had on societies. The, the little uh, homilies that we taught our children. Uh, I can even think of 10 of them that you, that you raise a, a kid with, you know, the early bird catches the worm. One word. That's like a tweet. A kid remembers that. And then you take the kid out in the garden at five, six in the morning at sunrise and you see the bird picking up a worm and you say, child, that's the early bird. And he got here first. So he's getting the worm. And that means when you grow up and you go out into life, be punctual, be on time and get to work on time and you'll catch the worm. You know, one word. I mean, one sentence. Powerful, Stephen. Yeah. You, you asked earlier uh, about the importance of books. Here's why I love books. We're talking about over 10,000 hours of experience distilled into a couple hundred pages. That's why books are so powerful for me. I'm excited about your new book, A Savage Republic. In, in the few minutes we have remaining, tell us about the, the inside plot to destroy America. Oh. Well, I can summarize it in a few words, just as you summarized it in one word of Hawaii. I can almost say Soros. I wouldn't be pushing the, the envelope too far. Everywhere I turn, I see the tentacles of this psychotic and his billions that have done more damage to this nation than all the enemies combined. Defund the police, putting in district attorneys who are not fit to run jailhouse toilets, who have decimated our, our legal system starting wars all over the world not putting out fires but igniting fires and you have to ask yourself what the hell is it with a man like that that he has such an animus towards the civilized world what is he trying to do let's see break it all down so they can build it all up let's take that theory uh, create the one world government the unicurrency the unisexual person in the blue suit with the red star is that it uh, a, a world filled with billions of robots who follow a master, a master plan, a group of master planners somewhere in uh, in Zurich or a penthouse in, in, in New York. Maybe that's maybe they're that crazy. I don't know, Stephen. So the plot to destroy America, when I say inside the plot to destroy America, if I may, I'll do a summary by reading a few things from the contents. The puppet president plot. Sound familiar? Yes. The show trials plot. That's all about our poor people, the J6 people, the censorship plot, the culture plot, the bankruptcy plot. That'll be uh, something you'd like to read. The chaos plot, the divide and conquer plot, the war plot. Oh, my goodness. The war plot. The communist plot advice the next president. So we have Z here now as we speak. What the heck is that about? First of all, what is Z doing here in San Francisco of all the places in America that he could have met Biden? Why in this cesspool, this crime ridden cesspool? That's the first thing that bewilders me. Uh, they did have summits in the past at the East West Center in Hawaii, as everyone knows. Wouldn't that have been a more reasonable place for Biden to have met Z? Was it the East West Center, right, in, in Honolulu? What what is this about San Francisco? There's something else going on here. Now, this is perhaps the most corrupt city in America, which would make it one of the most corrupt cities in the world. And I believe Nancy Pelosi runs it. I believe she's an empress. She runs it like an empress. And uh, I believe she's pulling the strings on who will next be president. I'll throw it out because I said it the other day. I totally believe that the Gavin was sent to Gavin Newsom was sent to China. Was it last week or the week before? when he was playing soccer with the kids and he fell over with them 
Uh, and by the way, he did a good recovery. He didn't even hurt the kid. He looked great. He looked great in China. He's tall. He's good looking. He's got movie star good looks. I know him personally. He actually came to my birthday party. He knows we disagree politically. That doesn't mean I have to hate the man. I don't. I understand that he's a politician and a very powerful one. And I send him my stuff all the time, my conservative viewpoints. And he actually answers me rationally and reasonably. If I say you, you, this is I said, this is my red line, Gavin. You can't go over this one with reparations. If you do that, there's no going back. And he says to me things such as, you know, there's a gang of 10 people in, in, in the poll. In the, what do you call it here? In the, in the state government that are controlling a lot of these things. I, I ask him, why do you let this crime wave go on? That was a year ago. And he sends me this lengthy email about the uh, CHP and all of the police agencies that he's tried to put in place to control the crime wave. And then he says to me, but Michael, he said, I don't control the courts. He said, blame the judges. So, you know, it's easy to demonize people that we don't like politically, but funk, none of them really have that absolute power that we think they do. Yeah. And isn't he Nancy Pelosi's nephew? <laughs> so I've heard. I believe he's been selected to be the next president. I don't know the exact method that it's going to occur. But you notice we're all seeing Biden's too old, Biden's too old from people who were licking his boots three weeks ago, four weeks ago. The most senior members of, oh, he's got to go. He's too old. Well, the message is out. He's too old. They know the polls are saying he's got to go. And even now he's attacking uh, the man who advised Obama, which I thought was amazing, calling him names. What was his name? Axelrod? <laughs> or Axelrod? Or, he's calling him an evil man. So I think what's happened is that the establishment that runs the country selected Gavin as the most likely candidate to defeat any Republican, whether it be Donald Trump or anyone else. And they'll, they'll, they'll polish the California picture pretty good. All people are going to vote on his looks, Stephen not policies. Gavin's a movie star. Look, they're going to vote on hair. I said years ago, people elect the, the person who has more hair. Maybe I should run. See? You could run. I can't. <laughs> this has been a great conversation. I'm going to put a link to your book. Uh, I recommend it. It's great. This has been fun. I, I think we could talk for the next couple of hours, but I know how busy you are with this new book coming out. Thank you so much for sharing your insight, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. I still respect your success. I don't say envy. I respect how you have done this without a radio or TV show, what you've done on YouTube. It's admirable, Stephen. All I can say is keep up the great work because you're one of the people stopping the plot to destroy America by exposing it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks, Stephen. Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage. <laughs>